Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Tarragon with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikveh and well-being. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center that is transforming the mikveh experience by educating women how to use mikveh as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being and healthy relationships. Read our weekly blogs on a range of fascinating topics, download our wonderful publications, learn about our Balaniyot and Kala teacher trainings, and support us at theedencenter.com. Rabbanit Shani Tarragon has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work, and we are honored to combine two of her passions, Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well-being. Without further ado, Shani. everyone. This is Shani's Harrigan on behalf of Eden's weekly Wisdom and Wellness for Women Parsha podcast. This is an opportunity to apologize for not being able to teach and to share words of the Parsha and Wellness last week due to laryngitis, which I think you can still hear some of the remnants thereof with my hoarse voice. This is also an opportunity for me to thank Naomi for providing a beautiful framework of understanding Parsha Truma, creating our sanctified space, whether it's in the realm of the mikvah or our, in our homes. And this is the perfect backdrop for this week's Parsha, Parsha Titzavim which begins with the continuation of the Yikhu Elacha Shemen Zayitzach. The Torah is telling us in order to understand this week's parsha, the Yikhu, go back to the first commandment of the Yikhu Li Truma, at the beginning of Parsha Truma, teaching us that truly these two parshiot are really inseparable. And we'll see why in just a moment as we revisit the reason for the commandment to build the Mishkan. After all, Moshe is atop of Har Sinai now, and this is what's of ultimate import for Akadosh Baruch Hu to tell Moshe to command B'nai Yisrael, Va'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'tocham. This is an, a direct response to their Chavaya, to their experience of Mamad Har Sinai. Can you imagine B'nai Yisrael after experiencing thunder, lightning, heavenly clouds atop of Har Sinai, waking up the next morning, pulling down there or up their window shades and seeing that the same mountain that beforehand was full of the word of God and lightning from the skies is now bare as could be, Hashem says not to worry. Now is an opportunity to have God in your midst on a daily basis. And therefore, the Ramban recognizes that when the Mishkan is actually completed, it's described in Shemot Perak Mem in almost the exact same terminology as the way that Harsinai was described in Shemot Perak Avdalid. Whether it's the Shekhinah, Vayishkon Kvod Hashem al Harsinai, Vayishkon Kvod Hashem al Ol Moed. The Eish, the fire, atop of the Ol Moed and Harsinai, Moshe Rabbeinu, who can't go atop to the to the summit of Har Sinai until Hashem calls out to him, and similarly cannot enter the Mishkan until commanded to by Hashem. And therefore, when we open up first Parsha Truma, we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to bring Hashem into our midst? How are we going to create that sacred space that Naomi so beautifully spoke about? 
Well, the Torah tells us, Vasuli Mikdash, Vishachanti Betocham. And then back to Parachafe Pasuktet, how will this be done? Kohola Sharani Mareotra, Etavnit at Mishkan, Vetavniko Kelav, Vachain Tasu. You're going to build it based on a framework that was already provided for you, says the Torah. And Rashi explains that Hashem actually showed Moshe Rabbeinu a blueprint of what the Mishkan is supposed to look like. However, explains the Ramban, there really is not some type of mystical blueprint. There's an actual blueprint, and that is Har Sinai. Let's take a look and see the various kilim, the various utensils that we're commanded to build. The first one is an aron. And what is the point of this closet? Literally, the aron. The Torah tells us this aron is going to house the edut, the testimony. The testimony of what? The testimony of the words of God, of the aseret hadibrot. In other words, the Aaron is there to perpetuate the speech of Hashem that existed by Har Sinai. And not only the Aaron, but atop of this Aaron is going to be a solid gold piece of kaporet, upon which are going to be two kruvim, two uh, cherubim, two angelic golden figures that are going to be there so that Hashem can come for Hashem's speech to be able to continue. In other words, Hashem says, I want you not only to remember the words of God by Har Sinai, but I'm going to continue to speak to you even without Har Sinai. Now you have an Aaron and the Kaporet and the Kruvim through which the word of Hashem is now going to continue to be spoken to Moshe and Bnei Yisrael. Thereafter, we hear about the Shulchan that is going to house, or basically upon which will be placed the Lechem Hapanim, Lifanai Tamid, a very interesting term, the showbreds. Chazal explained because that was their shape. They looked really like faces. But ultimately, we also know that Lechem is the way for us to experience Panim, a panimal panim relationship. Truth be told that today, unfortunately, people look at their cell phones when they're eating more than they look at the people around them. But once upon a time, and this really is a healthy relationship, one should be looking at the people that one is eating with. The whole point, as we see this also in Mesach Brachot, is to form a community, relationships with people, over food, lechem panim. What does this come to remind us of? The panim al panim relationship that we had with God at Har Sinai, a face to face relationship with Akadosh Baruch Hu. And similarly, immediately thereafter, we hear about the construction of the menorah, and this is an obvious one. The menorah is going to continue to display the light of Hashem. And Chazal asks, Rav Sheshit says, Does Hashem need the light? No, Bnei Yisrael need the light. God never left us. Hashem is still here. It's just that this time we're providing the mini Har Sinai. And sure enough, by the ends of these Kelim that are going to be placed respectively in the Kodesh Kodeshim and in the Kodesh, the Torah tells us, chapter 25, verse Mem, verse 40, You know the blueprint because they were found by Har Sinai. You had the speech of God at Har Sinai, and now you'll have that represented through the Aron and the Kaporet. You had a face-to-face relationship with God that will now be displayed through the Lechem HaPanim and the Shulchan. You had fire of God that was manifest at Har Sinai. Excellent. Now you're going to have the fire of God in your midst constantly through the Menorah.
And just as we had around Har Sinai, a masach, some type of separation so that Am Yisrael would not go atop the mountain, so too we're told about Yiriot, Krashim, building beams and curtains to separate the area of the Kodesh from the courtyard. And sure enough, how does that section end? Chapter 26, verse 30. You've seen the separation before. You know that there's going to be an area where only Moshe, the Kohanim, are going to be able to go, but you're going to go beyond that. You're going to go to the area of the Chatzar. By Har Sinai, we didn't really have a parochet. Nothing really divided the summit of the mountain from the rest of the mountain, but for the future, we're going to need that separation of the parochet as well. Afterwards, we hear... On the outskirts of the Mishkan, there's going to be a Mizbeach, the Mizbeach HaChatzer, the Mizbeach of the Ola, the Mizbeach upon which Am Yisrael will be able to bring their sacrifices. And sure enough, this section also ends, Nevuv Luchot Haseoto, Kashe Hara Utcha Bahar, Kenyasu. You've had a Mizbeach like this by Har Sinai. If you remember... You had this in Shmot Perach of Dalid. You built a Mizbeach upon which you sacrificed. Oh, Lot and Shlamim. So you're going to have this on a regular basis as well. And in addition, you're even going to have a chatzer around. But each time, the motif of kasher harahut chabahar kenyasu teaches us, as the Ramban says, that Har Sinai was the blueprint. And basically, through the Mishkan, we're creating Har Sinai. We're basically telling Hashem, vasuli mikdash, we want Hashem in our lives. How are we going to do that? We're going to basically create a microcosm of Har Sinai. We're going to create a diorama of Har Sinai. Har Sinai, that was really the Kodesh, the Kodesh Kadashim in a vertical zone, we're gonna go, going to create it horizontally. But that's not the end of the story. This seems to be an elaboration, as Chazal tell us, in a Parshat Naso, when we hear the terminology employed there, Chazal say, don't read it as Kalot, read it as Akala. As if HaKadosh Baruch Hu was marrying off B'nai Yisrael as a kala, as his beloved Achuti kala, his sister, his bride, and even his daughter. And Hashem made a magnificent wedding with thunder, lightning, heavenly clouds, with uh, the Mizbeach, with the Brits, with the Covenants. And then said, you know what, B'nai Yisrael, this was such a beautiful wedding. It was such a beautiful experience that forged our relationship. But I don't want to say goodbye to you. Can you please create a room for me in your midst, a mini Har Sinai, and model it after Har Sinai. And sure enough, that's what B'nai Yisrael do. We recreate, as Chazal say, Gan Eden. Bati legani achoti kala, we find in Shir Hashirim. Hashem comes to his gun. Chazal explain, this isn't just the Garden of Eden. This is the Eden that we create this time to ensure that Hashem will come and stay with us to ensure that Hashem will be comfortable in our midst. So when we tell our children to behave properly around the table, because the table is not just like the shulchan, but like a mizbeach, it's not just metaphoric, it's not only figurative, it's true. God is in our midst. We bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The more that we can recreate a panim al panim relationship, the more that we can bring literally the fire of Hashem into our homes, the more that we can recreate Eden, the more that we can create this garden, this garden that brings us together, the garden that shows that in fact, 
we can work on ourselves and we can perpetuate the manifestation of Hashem that we experienced by Ma'amad Har Sinai. But this is only the introduction, as we mentioned. After we find that Am Yisrael can recreate Gan Eden, Hashem continues, That was last week's parsha. That created the framework. The goal is not just to recreate or re-invite Hashem to our midst on a temporary basis. No, the real challenge is keeping Hashem there. That's what this week's parsha is all about. How do we keep HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives? And we find that the Torah, this week's parsha, begins with the Ner Tamid. Make sure that you always have light. Ner Tamid. Through Shemen Zayit Zach. Lidorotam. Lifnei Hashem. You're going to create a Ner Tamid. And the end of the parsha is going to to be completed with this terminology as well by bringing a korban tamid, the same exact components. You're also going to accompany that with oil, with the shemen zayit, the shemen katit. And it will also be brought at the entrance, not inside the kodesh, but across from the parochet as well, bepetach ol moed. And it will also, just like the ner tamid, baboker uba'erev, so too bein harabayim, and the boker, we're going to bring a This is the greatest challenge, the challenge to a certain degree of shigra, of monotony, of regularity, of consistency, of hatzmada. We now need to show Hashem, we don't just want you there for a temporary experience. We want to keep you in our midst. And we know that this is a challenge in every aspect of our lives, whether it's committing ourselves to what we say we're going to do. It's not just about going to a doctor's visit, a gynecologist once a year, or going to the dermatologist just to make sure that no unusual markings have manifested themselves in our skin this year. Rather, it's about consistency in every aspect of wellness, whether it's taking our vitamins daily, whether it's recognizing, whether it's once a year, once every five years, to make sure that we go for our pap smears and our regular doctor exams, and uh, whether it's once a year, once every three years, once every six months, to go for our mammograms, whether it's to make sure that we actually set aside the appointments for our ultrasounds. This is the challenge of Hatmada. And notice how the Torah tells us, how do you keep God in your midst? Day in and day out. The Mila Mancha, the motif is Tamid, Tamid. The Ner Tamid, the Karban Tamid. Notice these two terms with which literally the Parsha is going to be bookended. If you have light in your house, then there's a sign that someone's living there. Food in your house, that's a sign that God is there as well. And what's in the middle? In the middle, we find the Kohanim, who literally are the maintenance crew. They're the ones who make sure day in and day out that every little nitty-gritty detail is going to be taken care of. This is the message of Parshat Etzaveh. And therefore, throughout the stories of Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim, we hear the importance of the Ner Tamid, the Karban Tamid, the Shashunamit brings or attracts Elisha into her home and say from Malachim, Perak Dalid, by providing him with a Ner, by providing him with a Shulchan, a Kisei, by making sure that there's food. This is part of our challenge. It's one thing to create a sacred space. The challenge is, can we maintain that secret space? Can we make sure 
that once we learn about issues of health, that we actually follow through. Doctors will tell you that this really is the most difficult part of health. It's the maintenance. It's not the recuperation of diseases the first time around. It's when chas v'shalom, people contract the same diseases again because the resistance is low, because their guard is let down. Hashem says, don't let that happen to you. Tamid, tamid. Make sure that you keep God in your midst. This is the message of Parshat Tzaveh in our lives till today. Stay tuned for part two of Parshat Tzaveh for a little bit of a Purim message as well. This week's podcast is in honor of Joey and Sari Shabbat. Thank you for opening up your home for the Eden Center and helping to spread our work. Is there someone in your life that you want to honor? Someone who has helped you out or inspired you? Maybe it's a medical professional or a teacher or a yoetzet who went above and beyond to help you. Or a yard site or death that you want to mark. Please consider making a donation to support this podcast in honor of a special person in your life. This week's Parsha, Parsha Tetzaveh, is also, as we know, the Parsha that's always read together with the Maftir of Parshat Zachor, the Shabbat before Purim, albeit except for a leap year. And I don't think that this is by chance. It's as if Mordechai and Esther, in writing the Megillah, want to make sure that we know the words of Parshat Tetzaveh. And Chazal, lo and behold, Chochmei Bavel and dividing up the Parshiot, the respective Torah readings, in fact, make sure that we know these words before we hear the Megillah coming up next week. So let's take a look at Parshat Tetzaveh, at the section with, with which we left off with regard to the Ner Tamid, the Karban Tamid serving as bookends. What's right in the middle? Chapter 28, the maintenance crew. It's time to have Kohanim. Kohanim, who were also there at Harsinai. And how will they become Kohanim? Here we find the phrase literally of the clothing is going to make the man. The clothing is going to create the Kohanim as Kohanim. Vasita big How will Aaron become a Kohen? By having a uniform that sets him aside as such. This week's parasha for the first time teaches us what the goals, what the function of clothing is all about. And if you would take a poll, even around the Shabbos table this week, what is the goal of clothing? When you think of clothing, what do you think of? I'm sure some of my friends, my children, my students would say, Oh, we think of a tefach. We think of the laws of tzniut. We think of hemlines and a sleeve lengths. But actually, that's not how the Torah introduces clothing. Lechavod ulitiferet. The primary function of clothing is to set us aside, is to serve as honor and glory. Is this how we get up in the morning? When we think of taking care of ourselves, it's not just about drinking our eight ounces of water every day. It's not just about taking our vitamins. Of course, it's about being consistent with our well-being and health. But it's also about our psychological state. It's also about what we're projecting, not necessarily to others, but to ourselves. As we know, the clothing really does make us, whether it's in our selection of the colors of the clothing that we decide to don that day, or whether it's the type of clothing 
We put on clothing that reflects our mood, but the truth is that the clothing also can provide or enhance the mood, and this is so significant. When uh, I was in Yarota Carmel with my husband, I actually went to a, uh, a color sadna, a color workshop, teaching us about all different colors when, that we wear that project certain sentiments. For example, when one places blue, blue is a very calming color, which is why you'll find different hues of blues in hospitals and to calm the patients down, as opposed to you would think wearing yellow. Yellow should brighten one's day, but that's a little too overwhelming. And the scientists have found that it actually increases blood pressure because of all, all that light, all that yellow. Well, it's the earthly colors as well, the browns, the greens, that are also very calm. Blacks, as you can imagine, are more seductive. Reds are very passionate. Pinks are very dainty. White projects a sense of purity. And what then are these big day kuna? First and foremost, we see the colors are royal colors. The golds and the tchelet, the deep blues, the argaman, the tolat shani, the scarlet reds and the purples. These are all meant to reflect royalty. Because we're supposed to see ourselves as royal representatives of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if we are Mamlachet Kohanim V'Goy Kadosh, then we have to think about that when we get dressed in the morning as well. L'chavod u'letifaret. These are the big day kuna. But then we hear, as we take a look at these bigadim, that they're also lisharet, that they actually help the Kohen serve as a Kohen. In other words, there are certain clothing, whether it's a policeman's uniform or and perhaps, as we said, royalty wearing their royal garbs that show us what a uniform is all about. But it's not as if the policeman's uniform actually helps him function as a policeman. Rather, it identifies him as such. But then there are certainly clothing that help us function, whether it's an astronaut's garb that literally enables him to breathe oxygen and function, or a fireman's clothing that enables him to ward off the flames. These are examples also of lisharit. And sure enough, when we get dressed in the morning, we also think to ourselves, are we going to be standing and teaching words of Torah, or are we going to be gardening in our garden and getting very dirty? And in addition then to lechavod ulitzeferet, we have to take into, the, into account also the idea of lisharit. But what's interesting is that we find one other function. As an addendum, after we hear about all the clothing, the Torah tells us as well that these koanim also have to be provided with bad, literally short pants. They have to wear linen garments, boxers under, under these garments. No one sees them. They're not a uniform. They don't necessarily help and function as a kohen. Rather, from his hips down, basically, to his knees, he has to cover his erva, his private body parts, because in the Mishkan, especially, one also has to be very careful of privacy. Privacy, even before Hashem. 
And here we see then the three functions of our clothing and our lives presented through the commandments of clothing for the big day kuna, presented through literally what's going to make a kohen, the clothing that's used lechavodu litefarit for glory and lesharet to help one function and lechasot besar erva. And also to protect one's privacy. Let's take a look now at these various bigadim and see which ones accomplish what. Well, when we look initially at the list, we find that what are the bigadim? The choshen, the breastplate, the ephod, literally the garments underneath, the apron, the me'il, there's also some type of cloak underneath, and then the ketona tashbets, the basic linen tunic, the mitznefet, the hat, the avnet, a belt. We have six different garments that are meant to present the uniform of the Kohen. But we have a few questions then, because as we continue in the parsha, we hear that there aren't six garments, but rather eight garments. Which ones were not mentioned in the original list? Well, the Mechnesayim that we saw are really not meant because no one even sees them. They have a different function. They're lachasot besar erva. So they're not in the original list. And the other one, the tzitz. The tzitz is a golden headband that's worn next to the mitznefet to the the hat, the cap of the Kohen. So why isn't this mentioned in the original list? And another question that we have. The original list told us about the Choshen and the Ephod. When we hear about the elaborative list, we hear about an Ephod and a Choshen. But when we take a look a little more carefully, we're able to appreciate and answer these questions. Firstly, the Ephod. The Ephod is comprised of Zahav, Tchelet, Argaman, Tolat, Shani, Veshesh, Masar, and is also not only going to have all these magnificent threads woven together, but is also going to have sewn onto it have different golden encasements upon which are placed engraved stones. And what's engraved on the stones? The names of B'nai Israel. Six tribes on one shoulder stone, six tribes on the other Shoulder stone for what purpose? Avne zikaron levne Yisrael venasa aron etchmotam levne Hashem al shtek tefav lezikaron. This is literally not just his uniform, but it helps him function as a kohen. As a kohen, the kohen literally has to carry around the names of bnei Yisrael as a zikaron to remember not only the names of the people of Am Yisrael for himself, but also to remind God, so to speak, of Am Yisrael. He's carrying them around on his shoulders. He always has them as part of his consciousness. And then connected to this ephod is the choshen, connected with mishbetzot zahav, textually and literally. And then the choshen is basically going to be comprised more or less of the same threading, the same materials, the same form even. What's the form? It also has golden encasements upon which are placed precious stones upon which the names of Am Yisrael are going to be engraved. So now we understand why first the Choshen is mentioned, then the Ephod, and then the Torah switches the order in order to teach us that they're interchangeable. They're so similar, not only in form, but also in function. What's the function of the Choshen? For the Kohen Gadol to carry around the names of Bnei Yisrael this time, Alev Aaron, bevo'o lefnei Hashem, v'nasa Aaron et mishpat b'nei Yisrael, alibo lefnei Hashem.
tamid. Here we find that word of tamid again, the consistency, the maintenance of God in our lives. The Kohen Gadol has to carry around the names of B'nai Yisrael, not only on his shoulder, but also in his heart. Very similar to the Tfilin Shal Roshan, the Tfilin Shal Yad, in our mind consciousness and our heart consciousness. And then we hear about the Me'il, also Lechavod Litzaferet, very similar types of materials. This time it's going to be majority made from Techelet, the deep blue. But there are also going to be Pamone Zahav, little golden bells on the bottom, together with woven Rimonim, woven pomegranates. And what's the point of this Me'il? Why do we need a garment with little bells on it? to help our own function. Not only as a uniform, but it helps him literally function. How is that? Aaron will constantly be conscious of his presence before God because he's going to constantly have an alarm clock going on. And from here we learn that every time one enters into a building, into a room, one knocks, even if no one is in the room, to remind ourselves that God is there and that we're always in the presence of Hashem. Then we hear the tzitz. The tzitz is this golden headband with a tzchelet thread through which he can wrap it around his head. But this tzitz, this headband that literally is going to tzatz, blossom upon his head, it's not lechavod letiferet, it's not part of his garments, it's more of an accessory. It's not lechavod letiferet, but it's lisharet. It has its own function. Vahaya al metzach Aaron, venasa Aaron et avona kodashim asher yaktishu b'nei Yisrael, lecho matnot kodshehem, vaya al metzcho tamid. It helps them function as a Kohen to absorb the accidental sins of Am Yisrael as they're bringing their sacrifices, their korbanot, their kochim, to appease God as he wears this tzitz upon which is engraved Kodesh Lahashem. Again, help him function not only as a vassal of Hashem, but also as a representative for the people, protecting them. Underneath, the mi'il, the choshen, the ifod, he has a linen tunic and a belt and a mitznefet. For what reason? These don't really help him function. These are lechavod ulitzaferet. So in this week's parsha, we hear about how clothing doesn't just make the man, the kohen, but helps us understand how clothing makes us, how clothing is part of our well-being, what we project onto others and what we project about ourselves, what mindset we're in how we see the glory of our own bodies, how we are going to select what we wear based on lisharet, on our functions, but at the same time, lechassot besar erva, not to forget the mechnasayim. And what's the Purim message? Why do we need these words reverberating in our minds before we hear the words of the Megillah? Well, if you remember in Parak Aleph and Megillah Tester, we hear that Achashverosh is going to host a party, a 180-day party, to show Chel Parasumadai, the aristocracy of Persia, Laharoto et Osher Kavod Malchuto, Vet Yikar Tiferet Gudulato, to show off 
His kavod, His respect, His glory. The only other time in Tanakh where we find these two words juxtaposed one to the other is in this week's parsha, parsha Tzaveh. And this is what Mordechai and Esther, the authors of Megillat Esther, are trying to tell us. What do you see as kavod and tiferet? Do you see the glory of Persia? Do you see Prada and Gucci as what is going to basically be what attracts you? Notice that they're criticizing the Jews in Persia. You're looking at the clothing and at the glamour and the glory of Ahasuerus' kavod and tiferet. Go back to Yerushalayim. See Bigdei Kuhuna's kavod and tiferet. And Chazal therefore explained that Ahasuerus was mocking B'nai Yisrael and donning upon himself the eight Bigdei Kuhuna, telling them, what are you doing here? Looking at me. And instead of going back to Yerushalayim and seeing the Kohen Gadol in your midst, this is obviously a message that we have to take with us to Purim, that we have to understand that our clothing, the clothing that is not only presented in Parshat Tzavah, but the clothing that we as Jewish women wear is going to help us understand what our values are all about. They're about Hatmada as well, about consistency, or bring the glory of Hashem into our lives as representing the Jewish people, and they're about Lisharet, about functioning properly as people, as the people of Hashem, as a Mamlechet Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh. And lastly, to make sure that when we do get dressed in the morning, that there's also that function, not only of glory, but also to make sure that our privacy is maintained at the same time. If we can read the story of Esther and to a certain degree laugh together with Mordechai and Esther, recognizing that we don't see modern fashion as but we have our own fashionable clothing. We have values that remind us of who we are as the people of Hashem, then maybe this year we can celebrate even more Gu'ula. Maybe this year we can appreciate Purim in lieu of Parshat Have a Purim Sameach and Shabbat Shalom. This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon. Music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback, sponsorships, and support. You can reach us at www.theedencenter.com.